Welcome back to this conversation with Nick Franson. In part one, we went deep into the roots of limiting beliefs, where they come from, and just how sneaky they can be about keeping us stuck. In this part of the conversation, we're going to dive deeper into the letting go process, what this can experience can be like, and what is waiting for us on the other side. Thank you for being here. I hope you enjoyed the conversation. Hello, my name is Mary Maduna Gross, and you're listening to Fully Alive, the podcast for conscious entrepreneurs who are hungry to live their purpose, expand their impact, and create with ease. So talk to me a little bit about the letting go process, because obviously as a coach, most of my ser services are rooted in talk therapy models, right? Right, right. Um, and in that process, when we do find our, our limiting belief and the emotions that are attached to that, um, the letting go process can be dramatic. Let's put it that way. Yeah. Uh, and it can feel really uncomfortable. So what is the experience like of letting go with these kinds of remedies? So, um, there's a couple of instances that we can, that we can use, you know, my personal experience is probably a good one. Then I want to hit on a couple others here. That first isolation thing was in the beginning, right? And so our therapy, it takes a while to dissolve these things. I mean, some of the, we've had these for decades, right? So it's not like, oh, we go in and we take a pill and it goes away. So it takes, most people we like to put on our program for a year and it's not, it's not very expensive. Um, about seven or eight months, I started having some really big changes. Um, I grew up in a religious family. And it had served me well. And I was still into my 20s and 30s. I was still, you know, I religiously go to our to meetings and and whatnot. And I had no reason to doubt what I had been taught. It had served me well. I didn't have any really serious issues or anything. Um, but I remember about six, seven months. I can't remember the combination that I was on. But I would get up and I'd go to this religious meeting about every Saturday morning. And I got up that morning, one morning, I got in my car real early and I had, it was almost like a voice that said, what in the hell are you doing? Yeah. And it was shocking to me because I never, ever would have had the thought that what I was doing was not um, okay or right. was not what I should be doing. Got out of my car, went back to bed and over the next probably several months and even continued, I began to question a lot of things that I was taught religiously. And this would never have happened because it, it had served me well. It had been good. I hadn't been damaged by it. I hear a lot of stories of people, you know, who've been dropped at the Catholic, for example, and they were told all sorts of terrible things. And of course, that's where it's maybe not served them. And in my case, it was a good thing. But I began to kind of figure out, you know, some of the things I've been taught that just weren't right. And I began to break down some of my subconscious beliefs and I, I became a lot more inwardly instead of outwardly um, built on my faith, for example. So it's still very important to me, but it is much less outward as it yes. was before. And it's much more inward. And to me, that is so profound because I, I would have never given this up. I would have never thought I was doing something that wasn't in my best interest or what wasn't helping me. And here it completely flipped me upside down. <clears throat> wow. So that one is, you know, really a huge sort of issue. 
and there's, there's others, you know, I had a, um, very successful business owner, very successful. And he was the life of the party. I mean, this guy, everybody loved him. Yeah. And he was amazing. We'd gone through a divorce and after the divorce, he had just lost his way. And he had a, he, he's like, I had a sex addiction. He's really handsome dude, you know, mm -hmm. and just a lot of fun. And, um, this had destroyed his life. He was pretty much on the verge of like, I don't know if I really want to live anymore because of wow. this addiction that he had had. And he tried to check in himself into some centers, but really never did very well. So these sort of things can really, these belief systems, these addictions, they can really, you can make huge changes once we become aware and, and let this stuff come to the surface and begin to heal from it. Yeah. So when it comes to the surface, is there a disruptive experience? Kind of like we were, I was saying before, you know, when I'm doing the talk therapy piece and the, we get to that core, sometimes, again, that release of that emotional energy can be dramatic and, yeah. and comfortable. In the end, there's relief always. But gosh, if, if we could avoid even that part, like I'm, a, I'm all about avoiding the pain. Right. right. Avoid the pain. I don't, I don't. Pain is uncomfortable. You know, and then if there is another way, right? If, if pain is necessary, I'm, I'm okay with it. But if there's another way, I'm also interested. Pain is the great equalizer, is it not? Yeah. You know, it doesn't matter the super successful, successful businessman or the, you know, very pretty woman or the, you know, the poor person, pain puts us all on the same level. And it can become, you know, the most um, profound teacher if we let it, but we want to avoid it as much as possible. Right. Uh, so what I was going to say, it can be painful and it may not be painful. It can be liberating. And in, in some cases, in other cases, it may not. Uh, for someone, there, I had one lady, she had gone on the remedies. She was in an abusive relationship. Everyone around her could see it. Everyone in the family could see it, but she was just not willing to see it, right? She got through about four or five months and she began to see that this was a problem. Okay. But she could override that because mm -hmm. she knew the pain that would come if she would have to break up. She would have a loss of stability. You know, financial, um, what would happen with the kids. Yeah. And so she decided to just stay in the relationship and override those feelings rather than go through the pain that would be, you'd have to break it, even though it would probably be in her best self-interest to break it and move on with life and find something fulfilling. She was just not able to do that. Yeah. Um, so there's that sort of a scenario when we talk about with pain and there's other times where it's just liberating. Like you've been in pain for many, many years and all of a sudden you realize you don't have to live that way anymore. Yeah. So that's the other flip side is, uh, you know, I had a woman, she had, you know, grown up in, uh, a, kind of a broken home and a family. And she just, she had this fear of abandonment and she just she struggled and struggled. And after going through, you know, a number of months of treatment, she just felt like, you know, I, I think I can forgive yeah. and I think I can let go. You would not believe Mary, 
at the root of many of these uh, self-limiting beliefs is I just need to forgive. Yeah. And people won't. People right. refuse. They have just yeah. reasons. It's just, right? They That person does deserve to, you know, go through whatever they went through and they're terrible and whatnot. But that doesn't, that doesn't affect you. It's the ability to let go. Yeah. To forgive that creates the healing from the pain. And, and, that's awesome. and that freedom that maybe before just wasn't there. And now after going through some of this subconscious work, they say, I, I think I can do it now. That's what I love most about clearing away these limiting beliefs is that new space on the, on the flip side of, of right. the relief process. It, it, on the one hand, so I was asked, describing this to someone recently. On the one hand, um, I feel like a whole new person sometimes coming out of, of those transitions. And yet at the core, I still feel like I, I'm me. I'm the same me that has always been. Now I'm just stronger than I've been before. Right. And so it feels new, and yet it also feels very authentic. Mm-hmm. It's, it's just like um, just discovering a new part of you. Yes. Right? You keep a lot of the old stuff. You still remember the experiences, good and bad. Right? right? And they're there so that we learn wisdom. Yes. So that we learn, okay, I've been through this before. I'm not going to do this again. But we are able to move past it and move through it so that we can become, you know, a new, a new version of ourselves. Yeah. And going back to what you were saying about forgiveness on that other side, I don't need to hold on to any stories I have about other people because I already feel good. And that's really about me. I, at least that's been my experience with letting go of stories I have about other people in my life um, is that once I felt better, it doesn't matter what they do or didn't do. I'm OK. It doesn't matter how how much you might hate a person or dislike a person. Yeah. That's not going to affect them. No, it doesn't affect them as no. much as we would like it to would send those, you know, those those emotional Carbs. arrows. Right. Yeah. It just affects us. You know, we become the proud new owner of this grudge. Right. Yeah. And it, you know, congratulations. It's going to manipulate you. It's going to control your life. It's going to, you're going to spend sleepless nights just rolling over in your head these scenarios and how you were wrong. Welcome. You know, welcome, big grudge. Yeah. You know, but it is that forgiveness that allows you to kind of move, move through. Um, I'll give you one, <clears throat> one story one we're all sort of familiar with, Lance Armstrong. Mm -hmm. So most of us and most of your listeners are probably around when we heard the Lance Armstrong when he was, you know, just beating up on everybody and, right. you know, winning all these races and just dominating. doing amazing, dominating. Yeah. And he was, you know, all over. And then as the story started to come out, and of course he admitted it to himself, he still had very little remorse, even though he admitted it to him, you know, to everybody. But, you know, the, you know, learn a little more about Lance and Lance's original father had abandoned him. And then he had a stepdad and this stepdad had the mentality win at all costs. And he would put through Lance through things that were pretty much abusive. Mm -hmm. And Lance even said it was the anger from my childhood that often fueled doing what I did. Yeah. And you can see some of that learned behavior 
that his stepfather had given him where he would bully his own teammates and say, no, 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 we're all doping. And if you don't do this, the team's going to fail and you're going to expose everything and you're going to cause all these problems. And you can see how far this sort of mentality can take someone. Yeah. If we have the ability to forgive or we can recognize what's wrong, some of that can be avoided, of course, but not without some hurt and some pain and some healing. But that's an extreme example of, you know, destroyed his life and the lives of many others. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and again, operating from these limiting beliefs that we aren't even conscious of um, will take us down paths that we're like, how did I get here? Why am I doing this? Right. Um, so when we have the, this kind of, um, I'm going to call it technology, right? Because it's an external uh, piece that can help us clear that and create that freedom for ourselves. I'm super excited about that. Yeah. So tell me a little bit about what is the experience? Like you mentioned the the dreams um, and you mentioned like some insights that might come along. Are there any other characteristics of the experience that you think the listener would benefit from knowing? Well, I think the listener might, might know, like to know a little bit about what this actually is, you know, how okay, that yeah. it works. So um, it was developed by a German medical doctor um, almost 25 years ago. Um, he was using, he's working with a lot of women with emotional sort of issues. Mm -hmm. And he was using Bach flower remedies. Now, most of us have gone to Sprouts or our local natural, and we see these Bach flower remedies. These were before Bach had kind of been everywhere. And these are amazing remedies. They are diluted flower essences. So they take part of the flower and they dilute it and create a homeopathic version of it. Right. And he said they were working great in my office, but it was great for business because they always came back. He said it seemed like it would get them to a point, but it never would really get deep enough to kind of fix this issue that they had. So he said, I kind of went on a mission and I began to test lots of different substances. Um, and then I created, he created a, a line of 28 different emotional, um, themes. We call them okay. conflicts, subconscious blocks, for example. Okay. And he began to start using this on his patients, start getting phenomenal success. They got invited onto a program similar of op to Oprah here in the U S in Germany, and it became a very large company in Europe. So it's clear throughout Europe and, uh, and that sort of area. So essentially a, a patient would, uh, that would want to get therapy would come in. We would do some testing to figure out which set of subconscious beliefs we want to deal with first. So think about it like an onion layer, right? We have these things that maybe we've developed recently. Mm -hmm. All right. And then we have this stuff that we've had for a very, very, very long time. And it's maybe more core related. Right. So we do some testing to figure out which one of those we possibly want to work on. And each of those have themes. One could be, um, you know, fear of abandonment. One could be uh, materialism over accentuation on, ma on material goods, financial things, right? Um, one could be uh, not speaking one's voice and just, you know, the silent sufferer type. So we have 28 of these, right? And we start out with whatever one that we test for and they take these homeopathic drops. They're, um, they're liquid. You put few drops in some, a bottle of water, you drink the water and that's it. Okay. And some people will say, well, this sounds a little crazy. Homeopathy has been around for hundreds of years and it does have the ability to really go deep into the psyche. When you really start looking at this particular method, there's a reason why they, 
the FDA were created and homeopathic schools in the early 1920s and 30s were pretty much shut out because it's right. hard, to, hard to make money on water. You know, diluted right. version of substances, right? right? You can't patent that like an antibiotic. So that's essentially what this these are. They're very complex, unique homeopathic remedies that have that ability to go in subconscious and root out some of these self-defeating belief patterns. You know, as you're describing that, what what's going through my head is that's too simple. Right. That is too simple. You're telling me that I can get to my my deep core limiting beliefs by taking a few drops in water a couple times a day over three to 12 months. Right, right. It, impressive. it is pretty impressive. I often, I've seen it a lot in patients, number one. Number two, I probably wouldn't have really believed it if I hadn't experienced it myself. Sure. Taking it like a deep religious belief, I, I would have never, never, ever questioned that. Um. <clears throat> The, uh, God, I was going somewhere else with that. You know, I had the same thing you had earlier. Okay. <laughs> um, it really, what I tell, oh, I was going to say, so our, our, this isn't just a pie in the sky idea. Okay. Mm -hmm. This method has got 25 years of experience. It just came into the U S in January. Oh, wow. Okay. So it took us a while to get through FDA, um, and get these manufactured at an FDA approved facility here in the U S. Okay. Um, but the method has 300 articles that have mm -hmm. been translated into English. It's got eight books. We even had a clinical study done in Switzerland, which when anything's done in Switzerland, they do a pretty good job of things, yeah. right? You know, very, you know, technical, detail engineering, yeah. detail oriented. It was published in the Swiss Holistic Medicine Society Journal. Um, they took over a thousand patients self-reporting and they did it over the course of, of 15 months. So if this was placebo, yeah, you might get, you know, a good 30 day kind of punch, right? right you right, know, right. but these patients rank their therapy as excellent, good, satisfactory, or not good. 86.6% of the patients rank their therapy as excellent, good, or satisfactory. Wow. And that was 86.6%. The study's on our website. It's all oh. there, the, all oh. the data, it's all that sort of stuff. But what was interesting is the groups that they were treating. So most of them were coming with physical complaints, okay. anxiety, OCD, behavioral sort of issues. Uh, but the other part we didn't talk about is how these things affect our body physically. Chronic fatigue, fibromyalgia, skin issues like psoriasis and eczema. Um, all these sort of things, we think we can just tuck away these emotional issues and they just disappear, but that's not the case. The body is one and often pushed down or, uh, depressed traumatic events and emotional experiences will flare up in the physical body. We call these psychosomatic illnesses. Psyche is the Greek for the mind and soma is the Greek for the body. So these are where emotional issues manifest in the physical. So these are the patients that say, I've been to 20 million doctors. Mm -hmm. I've got a bucket full of supplements. You should see my cupboard. They say, right? you should see my cupboard, right? Uh, they've had the MRIs. They've had the blood tests. The doctors can't find anything. Quite likely there is an old, old emotional issues that just haven't been resolved yet. Yeah. And when that happens, then the body can actually heal and and fix a lot of things. 
So what I'm hearing then is not only um, will this address those emotional kinds of things, like like you were saying, anxiety or OCD, but if you've already if your body has already manifested a physical condition, there's the premise is that there's still an emotional belief. There's still a core belief at the root of that. Is Am I understanding that correctly? That is correct. So typically, if we've got a problem, we're going to go see, I'm not a first-line practitioner. So they're not coming to me going, I think this is my emotional. It's, you know, typically people are, all of us are going to say, okay, we've got a problem. I've got, I get headaches. Okay, I'm going to take some ibuprofen. Oh, that's not working. Okay, I'm going to go to the doctor. I'm going to get some migraine medicine. Okay, that's not working. All right, well, what's wrong with my, let's get some blood tests. Let's get an MRI. Let's go to the neurologist. So once you sort of eliminate that, hey, either there is a big physical thing going on that I, no one can find, or, you know, I had a really, really screwed up childhood, or I went through a really nasty divorce and things just haven't been the same since. Maybe that is contributing to this somehow. Sure. Okay. So you kind of have to come to that, that point where you're like, this may not be entirely physical. Yeah. And well, what then about- move from there. Well, what about things like, um, again, illnesses already manifested, whether it's Parkinson's or cancer, is with, of course, you're going to have your treatments for those conditions, but would this also supplement or support that that kind of therapy or? Absolutely. Yes. Okay. Absolutely. So obviously those conditions are much more um, problematic. They have lost more system. They have an underlying pathology that's clearly physical. Right. Agreed. Agreed. Does that not mean that we can't help and support them emotionally? Absolutely not. Right. Oh. Let me give you a fun example here. So I, that's not actually fun. I uh, worked at um, a cancer clinic in Tijuana for several years. Okay. So I lived in San Diego at the time. So I drive down across the border and I go to this clinic and see some patients. It's a lot of fun. I really enjoyed it at the time. There was a driver and he would pick up a lot of the patients. Most of the patients were from the U.S. Pick up the patients up, drive them across the border to the clinic. And then those that were returning, they'd go for a three-week stay, would return and go back across the border. So one day, um, I think I had, you know, dropped my car on the U.S. side and I caught the ride with, with Manuel, Manuel, and we went across the border. Was there for a couple of days. On my way back, he was bringing back a patient and some of these patients they can get, I mean, stage, it's stage four, you know, I mean, I've seen tumors as big as basketballs and I mean, it, it's really terrible sort of thing, but I had a lady, she was, um, she had a tumor on her sacrum and it had spread up into her spine and really she couldn't sit, she couldn't sit. So mm. she was kind of slouched like this in the, in the van as we were crossing the border and she was kind of moaning and she was kind of, she was in a lot of pain, you know, because these things, they wrap around nerves and they, oh. and they cause all sorts of issues with these tumors. Um, and we had, we had to try to talk, but she couldn't really talk very much. So crossing the border can get a long length of time. Mm-hmm. So we're sitting there and I don't know where she says, you know, all that stuff about being healthy and exercising, right? All that stuff. She goes, that's just garbage. She goes, I was the most healthiest person that you could actually have met. And I exercised and I did yoga and I did all these other little things and look where I am today. And she said it might 
be having to do with something in my past. Oh. And so we couldn't confirm that, right? This was just a conversation. But disease manifests in a lot of different ways and can and emotions may be the root of a lot of some of these real serious conditions. Hmm. And that was just a an interesting experience for me to kind of hear how she was the epitome of health. Yeah. And yet here's what she was suffering with. I love that example because again, consciously, we can make these decisions about I'm going to be healthy and I'm going to do these things. But if we still have these limiting beliefs operating in the background, right? That is still the the results that you're going to get. We refuse to forgive, you know, yes. we refuse to mend that relationship, you know, or whatever it might be. It doesn't just go away. Yeah. It's eventually yeah. going to catch up to you. Okay. So for some of the listeners who may be hearing themselves in some of the stories that we're telling uh, today or describing these scenarios, where can they learn more about this? So our company is called Privia Naturals, P-R-I-V-I-A Naturals with an S dot com. Great website. There's a button right on the top that says, we want to hear your story. You can book a free consult. You know, we'd love to hear um, how things are, but that page has a lot of information. There's several, uh, the study is on there. Several of the articles are on there. There's a lot of stuff that someone can sink their teeth into if they want to get some more information. Yeah. Wonderful. Are there any final thoughts that you would like to leave us with? Oh, I think, um, we've covered so much, but, uh, you know, be gentle with yourself, Mary. Be gentle with yourself, um, your listeners out there. Life's hard. It's going to be hard. You're going to get kicked around. You're going to get beat up, but you have to get back out. You yeah. got to keep going. It's not worth, it's not worth ending it. It's not worth saying it's over. It's going to get better. You have to remember life is full of these seasons. There are times when it's going to be difficult, but there are times where it's going to be very, very good. Yeah. And when you can heal from some of these things that might just put you, push you up to the next level. I tell people, you know what, I'm not going to poo-poo some of, you know, what your doctor's doing or your EMDR or your whatever therapy you're doing. Bring what you have and see if we just can't add to it. If we right. can't just take you to that next level. Lovely. Thank you so much for giving us, because um, as you're describing that, I think one of the things that I heard myself say is, well, there's nothing I can do about this. Right. right? When, when I, my psoriasis first started flaring up, well, there's nothing I can do about this. I'm just, I'm... That's the, uh, the hand that I get, right? I'm broken. I'm, I'm broken. Enough, uh, right? All of that. Um, so knowing that there is a way, and that there is a way that is re really relatively gentle in making these shifts. So thank you so much for bringing this to us, for sharing the resources and the stories to help us see that there it really is uh, an option here. Well, I enjoyed it very thoroughly, Mary, and uh, well, thanks again. Thank you for listening. Are you ready to play and experiment with these ideas so that you too can live your purpose, expand your impact, and create with ease? Join us at Fully Alive on Facebook. We've created this space to explore the effects these practices and principles can have on your own experience. And if you're feeling the nudge to explore what coaching can do for you, send me an email at mary at bluebambooleadership.com. Thanks again for listening. Until next time, be fully alive.